This is Deep Dive. I'm Li Yunqi. Over the past decade, more than a hundred thousand Chinese individuals left their homes for the country's westernmost region, Xinjiang. Among these people, there were teachers, medical personnel, entrepreneurs, and individuals from diverse backgrounds and occupations. Their decision to work in Xinjiang is often motivated by a sense of duty to contribute to the region's development and to participate in the government's efforts to improve living standards and infrastructure in the area. What part do these skilled professionals play in reshaping the economic landscape in China's far west? How has China been rebalancing resources between the east and the west? To delve into these questions, I spoke with my colleague Xu Yawen, who just came back from her third visit to Xinjiang. This episode is brought to you on Sunday, January the twenty-eighth. When people consider investing or starting up a business somewhere in China, the names that come up first are usually the big cities like Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, etc. And Yao Wen, you've just visited quite some companies in Xinjiang, and、yep. they seem to be doing pretty well there. Given the landlocked position of this autonomous region, how did these companies decide to start their business in Xinjiang? Yes, Yunqi. As you mentioned, I took a 11-day trip to Xinjiang in late December. I'm visiting three cities this time: the capital city Wurumqi, the city of Hami, known for its Hami Guao or Hami Melon, and the city of Turpan,、uh, where the Chinese classic literature C.O.D. or Journey to the West was filmed.、Mm. So. Actually, I did visit a few enterprises there and spoke to the managers, the business managers of the companies, and they shared with me some of their observations. The reason why they choose Xinjiang to be the headquarters or a branch office of their business there, I think for a few reasons. First of all, like for energy companies. Uh, Xinjiang has rich natural resources,、right. so including oil, natural gas, coal, and solar energy. Especially, these resources provide investment and development opportunities for energy companies, as well as the increasingly important clean energy, as I just mentioned, such as the wind power, solar power, and solar thermal power plants. One of the companies I visited there. Secondly. You said Xinjiang's position is landlocked, right? But right. for some companies, they do see Xinjiang has its unique advantages、hmm. in terms of geographic position. Even though Xinjiang is located in the northwest of China, it serves as a crucial transportation hub connecting Central Asia and Europe, and also. This position makes Xinjiang an important hub in China's Belt and Road Initiative, attracting companies who are interested to participate into these initiatives and expand their business in like surrounding areas in the Central Asia market and also even to the European market. So speaking of that,、uh, moreover, Xinjiang has vast farmland, like and pastures suitable for、mm. agriculture and animal husbandry. Like some companies, one of the、uh, companies I visited, specializing in manufacturing and、uh, sells 
camel milk. Okay. Yeah,、uh, it's very interesting. So they pretty much collect camel milk from local farmers and、mm. then produce them and then sell it to the rest of the country, and then that's the very、uh, suitable place for the company to operate. And lastly, the government policies and support. This is a very important. Sector because the central government has implemented policies to promote economic development in Xinjiang, such as tax incentives, and this is very important for companies who want to increase their revenue. On top of that,、uh, the central government also support、uh, Xinjiang for infrastructure construction and other measures, and all of this are attracting investors who want to do business there. So abundant natural resources, and then plenty space for agriculture, and maybe the disadvantaged、uh, geographical position in the eyes of some of these investors is actually a positive factor from、exactly. a, from a different angle. Yeah, but we know that for quite some time, Xinjiang was probably among the regions in China that were relatively slow in terms of its economic development.、Mm -hmm. So apart from its geographical position. Have there been other factors that's been hampering Xinjiang's economic development? Sure, Xinjiang, even though it has, just as I said, a lot of advantages in those sectors, in the meantime, it was facing several challenges critical to its economic development. First of all, in terms of industries, Xinjiang's economic traditionally relied on specific sectors. Such as agriculture and、uh, natural resources, as we just mentioned. So it needs to diverses industries to achieve a more sustainable and long-term economic growth. And secondly, speaking of transportation and connectivity, we know nowadays when we travel to Xinjiang, we have many options. You can go there by airplanes, by railways, or high-speed railways or highways. But in the past, it wasn't. As convenient as today, so that was kind of challenging or hindering the、uh, economic development of the region. In addition to that, there is a shortage of talent. We know Xinjiang faces challenges in attracting and retaining skilled professions who are critical for the region's development. Even nowadays, it's still one of the issues, I would say. And furthermore, security concerns. In the past, have influenced external perceptions of Xinjiang, and potentially affecting local economic development and the willingness of domestic and international investors to engage in economic activities in the region. And lastly, I would say geopolitical challenges, like such as sanctions by the U.S.、Mm. We know in recent years, in the name of the so-called forced labor and other human rights concerns. The U.S. government imposed sanctions on certain entities and industries of Xinjiang, such as the cotton industry and solar panel industry. And sanctions have impacted local people's livelihoods and、uh, also the economic activities of companies in Xinjiang. Because actually, this is not my first time visiting the region. About three years ago, in 2001, I went there and I visited several cotton manufacturing companies. They could hardly operate and generated income because of the sanctions imposed by the U.S. And also, I visited those cotton fields and also spoke with farmers and、uh, factory workers. To be honest, I didn't see or hear of any forced labor statement from local people. 
but I observed highly automated operations there. The U.S. government claimed that they're doing this to protect human rights in Xinjiang. However, what they really did was make people lose their jobs. We'll for sure have more conversations on these accusations from Western media and governments later. But before that, earlier you also mentioned other challenges that Xinjiang has been facing in the past, like security and short of talents. And based on your visit this time, have you seen any improvements in these areas? Yes, indeed. Actually, there has been great improvements in the region of Xinjiang, especially thanks to the Pairing Assistance Program, uh, which is a national policy implemented by China a few decades ago, from poverty alleviation and infrastructure development to economic diversification, human capital development. Xinjiang has greatly benefited from the support of the entire nation. Let me give you some examples here. So during my trip to Hami, in the Hami city, I visited this Zhongtuo Technology, the uh, company that specializing in the processing and sales of camel milk, as I just said. So the CEO of the company told me that they are assisted by Henan province as part of the pairing assisting program. And their office building was constructed by Henan. So because the camel milk is more expensive than cow milk or goat milk, uh, so the company would normally purchase camel milk from local residents to help them increase their income. In the meantime, they will also hire professionals to teach residents how to raise camels, uh, like how to make them you know, produce more camel milks so that people's income will be increased at the same time. And the other story I'd like to share also happened in Hami City. So I visited one of the best elementary and middle school. Uh, it's called Yuha Experimental Middle School. Um, and the principal of the school told me the school building was also funded and constructed with the support from Henan province. In addition to that, they have a group of teachers who came from Henan to Hami mm. to improve the teaching quality of the school. And I spoke to one of the teachers um, who teaches math. And he told me that usually they would stay there for at least two years under the pairing assistance program. And after two years, they can choose to stay or return back to their own school. And he had already been there for four years. And he was considering whether or not to go back home. It's like after you stay there for a while, he told me, you started to have this kind of special boundary with local right. children and other colleagues. And you just think uh, you kind of can accomplish a lot and fulfill the meaning of your life by uh, contributing to the development of the region. Sounds like he already chose to stay there for an extra two years after the first two years. Yeah, he was. Uh, he st stayed there for four years. That means he, um, right. like, even though his families are are still back in Henan, his kids are still there, but he still chose to stay there. And he's not alone. You know, when I went to another hospital, I I met this doctor. She had been staying there for years, and uh, he, she told me because. The hospital does not have uh, certain professionals who can do the things she's doing. So she decided to move to Xinjiang and, uh, of course, with her family's support and live there and, you know, dedicated to the development of the regions. See, I also visited Xizan or Tibet uh, last year and I had the chance to speak with uh, doctors 
teachers there in Lingzhi City、mm. who were part of the pairing assistant programs from Guangdong Province. Uh, the medical programs and also education programs to help with you know the hospitals and the schools in this city Lingzhi in Xizang. It sounds very similar to your experience in Xinjiang because you mentioned those talented people from Henan Province、mm -hmm. that are helping there. So why does this pairing assistant program seem to be such a common governing practice in China? Because it is a national policy,、hmm. so the concept of peering assistance in China refers to an effective form of cross-border cooperation and exchange between regions, industries, and other sectors. When formulating microeconomic policies to support specific regions or industries, the central government established peering assistance relationships between different regions or industries, and it first emerged in the early 1960s. As a distinctive mechanism for fiscal resource transfer and regional cooperation with Chinese characteristics, and back then, China faced challenges of imbalanced development between urban and rural areas and uneven distribution of resources across regions. So, the central government used the planned economic system to allocate resources nationwide. And for instance, in the case of urban support, rural areas. When rural areas faced challenges such as busy farming seasons or natural disasters, various urban departments were dispatched to assist with activities such as harvesting or flood and drought relief. Another case is coastal support for inland areas. Starting from the mid 1950s, developed eastern coastal regions such as Shanghai and Tianjin. Um, provided assistance to less developed Western regions like Shanxi, Xinjiang,、mm. and Inner Mongolia.、Right. Yeah, for example, Shanghai supported Shanxi by dispatching tens of thousands of workers and talents from industries such as finance, construction,、uh, electricity, machinery, and higher education. So this support played a crucial role in the economic development and social progress of Shanxi. There was one incident that pushed the formation of peering system. That was in 1978, during one of the most severe drought years since the founding of the People's Republic of China, Hubei Province implemented targeted assistance to combat drought. So this incident marked the formalization of peering assistance policy in response to specific challenges such as natural disaster, as I just mentioned. So the success of Hubei's assistance during the drought paved the way for the gradual expansion and formalization of peering assistance policy nationwide. And then in 1978, the central government officially introduced the peering assistance policy, and this marked. The first time that peering assistance was defined as a national policy. So, in the case of Xinjiang, the central government has been implementing the peering assistance programs in the region since 1997, channeling financial, technical, and human resource support in various fields to the region. And today, we know 19 provinces and municipalities of the country, as well as central departments and state-owned enterprises, participate in this program to support the development of the region. 
According to the regional government in Xinjiang, over 170 billion yuan of funding has been allocated to peering assistance programs over the past decade, and more than 80% of the funds have been used to improve people's livelihoods, especially in rural areas. So, in addition to that, over 90,000 talents. In education, technology, and healthcare sectors, have chosen to come to the region in the past ten years to help to raise standards in those sectors that have been less developed than other parts of the country. So, by this number and also the history, you can tell not only this peering assistance programs has been implemented in Xinjiang, in Tibet, Xi'an, or other less developed areas, but also is a nationwide a nationwide policy.、Mm. And now, going back to a very important topic that we saved for later, it's quite obvious that these people coming from the developed regions in China have been contributing to the economic development in lesser developed areas. Many of them they would go back after finishing their service. Some of them voluntarily choose to stay there. At the same time, there are these accusations, mainly from Western media, that. This type of assistant program is interfering with the cultures and human rights in Xinjiang. Does it go with what you have experienced and seen there? Well, I would say China emphasizes economic and social rights, particularly in poverty reduction and improving living standards. And it believes that achieving economic growth and social development is essential for safeguarding the overall well-being of the people. And also, China believes that the realization of human rights is more effective when it's based on ensuring national stability and social order. And this perspective is underscored by China's historical and political context, which is different from the Western perspective. That's more emphasizing、um, solely on freedom. Moreover, China places a stronger emphasis on collective rights, such as social and economic entitlements, rather than individual rights. And this differs from the Western emphasis on individual freedoms and rights. And also, I think it's worth noting that discussions about human rights often involves diverse perspectives, and opinions can be. Vary based on cultural, political, and individual factors. So, based on my personal experience, like three journeys to Xinjiang in the past, I think nowadays people are living the way they want, and、uh, there is no what the Western media accused China of the f- either forced labor or even worse genocide. Because you can go there and see everything based on your own eyes. It's just accusations. It's just the、uh, you know. False perception. So I believe that as long as people are satisfied with their lives and the proof of their governance, that means good human rights. So the last time I checked, over ninety percent of Chinese people expressed satisfaction with the government.、Um, such high approval rating says everything about China's human rights record. And now focusing on Xinjiang itself. Now that we have seen these evident progress from the assistant programs, does it indicate that there might be fewer of these programs in the future, or maybe the government will shift the focus of these assistance to maybe other areas? Well, I think the peering assistance program in Xinjiang will continue, and if you look at the signal sent by the Chinese government. 
uh, last year at a national conference on peering assistance for Xinjiang, um, chairman of the CPPCC, Wang Huning, he said that the assistance to Xinjiang is a national strategy and the country is committed to comprehensive, precise and long-term support. So the signal here is very clear. And also, he said, the ongoing efforts include promoting employment-oriented industrial support, accelerating the development of a modern industrial system reflecting Xinjiang's unique advantages and facilitating high-quality economic development. Even though by the end of 2020, we know the entire region of Xinjiang had eradicated extreme poverty, lifting over 3 million people out of impoverished conditions, and also the same year, Xinjiang's GDP reached 1.38 trillion yuan, more than doubling from 540 billion yuan 10 years prior. Still, we need to be aware that Xinjiang has some distance from other parts of the nation. So I believe support and assistance will still be necessary. Right. And I'm saving my personal curiosity for the last. You mentioned camel milk for a couple of times. I'm just wondering... Just very briefly, with the help of the modern industries and talents from other regions helping Xinjiang to modernize the camel milk industry, do you see much potential of this milk in more areas? You know, it's quite controversial because from one side, it's very expensive. It's like three to four times higher the price compared to regular cow milk. On the other side, people think the nutrition, even though the manager from Zhongtua Technology told me, is very good for patients who have diabetes. It has rich nutrition. But probably the nutrition is worth the... Worth the price. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Yunqi. Over the 10-year period, ending in 2023, China allocated 170 billion yuan, or 24 billion US dollars, to support the development of Xinjiang. This substantial investment has resulted in significant transformations, including the creation of over 2 million jobs, the improvement of housing conditions for 11 million people, and the construction and renovation of 2,100 schools. As China places greater emphasis on the Belt and Road Initiative, Xinjiang is positioned to continue benefiting from the national strategy as a pivotal regional hub for China's westward cooperation and development. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you enjoyed what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to let us know what you want to learn about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Li Yunqi, and my colleagues Zhang Zhang and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Xu Yawen. I'll see you in the next one.